Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Jerry's over there, and you may already be a winner <laughs> because you're listening to Stuff You Should Know, the podcast. I was going to say the, a version of the same thing, so. Hey, that's the, that's the spoils <laughs> of doing the intro. That's right. You may be a winner. Yep. Chump. <laughs> Sweepstakes. Yeah, man. So I was aware of sweepers before that there's this group of oh, people yeah? out there. Yeah, the hobbyists, people who enjoy sweepstakes, and we'll talk about them that. later. Um, but as I got more and more into, like, researching sweepstakes, I'm like, wow, this is pretty interesting stuff. There's a lot more to it than even that. Yeah, I have never, I don't think, entered any contest. Well, you know what? I fully take that back because— mm -hmm. Almost every year I enter the HGTV Dream Home. Do you really? Yeah. Well, that's like one of the big sweepstakes in the United States. Yeah. Well, I mean, every year that I sort of remember. I haven't had um, cable TV for a few years, so I, I'm not reminded as much. Uh -huh. uh, but that's one of those like, I mean, have you ever entered? Have you ever seen those houses? Yeah, I, I've ran across they're them so cool. during this research, and yeah, they're very beautiful. Not only that, they don't stop with the house; they'll give you oh, like yeah. a GMC Yukon, and like here's half a million dollars in cash. Too. Yeah, it's gotten and, crazy now. You know, here's some, um, here's a couple of snakes that are really exotic <laughs> and expensive. I think they do a green home as well now. Yeah, I think there are a couple of them, and one of them, I think the green home one year was. Uh, you know Serenby here outside of Atlanta? Yeah. I think one of them was at Serenby. Yeah, there's one that they gave away in the last year or so down on Merritt Island in Florida uh, where I've been. Um, and then there was one in, I want to say Miami or something. And I read about the person who won. Actually, it was written in the Miami Herald. I don't remember where the house was. But they couldn't afford it. They won and they were like, I can't afford the taxes on this house. Yeah, that's what the, you know, growing up, everyone's dad basically well, you know, you got to pay taxes on that stuff, <laughs> right? Uh, that I was would a find great a way dad to, impression. <laughs> I would find a way to work that out yeah. if I want an HGV, uh, GTV green home yeah. or whatever. But I mean, if you all of a sudden were like, uh, I don't have $15,000 for taxes. No, that's true. You know? I mean, I think you, that's the same with uh, game shows and stuff, right? Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, Chuck, you can read all about that in our chapter on the Perfect Price is Right game, which is in our Stuff You Should Know colon an incomplete compendium of mostly interesting things book. That's right. And I got to tell you of, I'm trying to think, I think of all the chapters in that book, mm -hmm. that might be the one that I was most jealous of from the podcast standpoint. What do you mean? Like putting it on as a podcast. Oh, I see. Rather than being a book chapter, I was like, oh man, I so want to do that as a podcast. But I maybe, think, you know, maybe one day we can. I, yeah, I don't think there's anything stopping us from doing that. I think nah, people we might want to wait a little it. while. Nope, we're doing it next week. <laughs> I don't want to undercut the book sales. Well, no, we definitely won't. But, well, I mean, I think we're totally fine to do any and all. That one, out of all of them, will be the most difficult because it's such a straightforward story. But uh -huh. I'm sure we'll find a way to plump it up. I wonder if that would incentivize people to buy the book. If we did an episode from one book chapter mm -hmm. and said, do you want— uh, You want more? Yeah. Like how many uh -huh. more? How many chapters are there again? For uh, 27. Yeah. You want 26 more stories uh -huh. for Get your it. reading? Get the book. Pleasures? 
<laughs> Especially if you put it all awkward and vaguely hostile like this. Yeah, I think that that's that's the old publishing uh, trick. Right. Hostility. <laughs> right. Uh, or assertiveness. Poe moved a lot of books that way. He did. <laughs> so, uh, oh yeah, you can order our book now, pre-order anywhere you order books, including IndieBound. And uh, didn't you come up with the Bitly? Yeah, okay, sure. If you want to, if you want to support uh, black-owned bookstores, you can go to uh, bit.ly/syskblm and order it from there. Yep. Uh, so that's our spiel, which actually was organic. It's not at all scripted. Don't think that. Um, if if you did, then you obviously missed the clumsiness in all of it. <laughs> but we're not talking about our book today. We're talking about sweepstakes. Sweepstakes, and in fact, sweepstakes, Chuck. The word itself, sweepstakes, is hundreds of years old. I think they found its origin at least in the 13th century. Yeah, because back then, um, they were, you had stake in it. Like you would buy, it was kind of like a lottery. Mm-hmm. You would get a bunch of people to throw in money uh, for a ticket. It probably wasn't even a ticket. And some person would win. And so they would sweep the stakes. But it's not like that. Uh, a competition in the UK, a contest in Canada, mm-hmm. a sweepstakes in America. Those are different because they are always no purchase necessary. That's no, the differentiator. Right. The one thing that they have in common with those is that the winner takes all. That's the point. There's like a grand prize where this this one person wins the prize. You sweep the stakes, right? Um, but th- that is totally different from a lottery. And a lottery is self-sustaining, so much so that you fund educational systems with lottery proceeds. That's how self-sustaining it is. With the sweepstakes, it's like, well, there's one person putting up the prize, but then somebody else comes along and wins it. What does that person who puts the prize have to stand to gain from it? And that the answer to that question is the heart of sweepstakes, which is basically publicity. That's where yep. they came from. Sweepstakes are, like you said, competitions in the UK or contests in Canada. They were born in maybe the 40s, 50s for sure, as a, a marketing and advertising tool that some companies and salesmen came up with to basically move more stuff, or at the very least, get people interested in some item or product that would have otherwise just been overlooked in a regular ad. Yeah, and sometimes it was, um, and still can be, very blatant in that uh, the there is a like a code on a product. Mm-hmm. Um, and you like, well, it says no purchase necessary, but sometimes you can actually buy a product that has a code that you can then um, enter like a UPC symbol or sure, something. Sure, sure. So sometimes you do have to buy things, but uh, sometimes it is literally just we have – and it doesn't even have to be a new thing, but it, it oftentimes is a new – product maybe from an old stable, like a new kind of toothpaste from uh, Pepsodent or something, mm-hmm. or Colgate. And they're just trying to drum up PR, and a good way to do it is to give away 50 grand and get people just in that aisle of the store. Right. And so and have them say, like, well, I need some toothpaste. I normally get Colgate, but, oh, Pepsodent has a $50,000 sweepstakes right now. I'm just going to buy the Pepsodent this I'd time. I'd be a fool not to. Yeah. How can I lose? And they, uh, the, hopefully from that point on, they'll keep buying Pepsodent, right? So that's a, a, a way to drum up sales. Um, but you said something that was really important. One of the things that differentiates the sweepstakes on purpose from, say, like a lottery, is that there's no purchase necessary to win. And in the United States, no purchase necessary is like 
just common vernacular. Everybody knows that phrase. That came from what's known as sweepstakes law, which is to get around rules and, and regulations against lotteries in the United States. Yeah, gambling. One of the ways that, that they did that was to create this other way to enter. You didn't, like, yes, if you bought this tube of toothpaste, you automatically had your your entry form right there because it came with the package. But if you didn't want to buy the toothpaste, but you still wanted to enter the sweepstakes, they had to afford a way for you to get an entry form and enter without any kind of purchase whatsoever. And then that entry had to be as valid or uh, eligible to win, um, have the same chances of winning as somebody who did make the purchase. No purchase necessary to win. Yeah, the other thing a sweepstakes will do is give you, and this has changed over the years, obviously, but give a salesperson a lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to get those Glengarry leads or you're, or you're on the way out the door mm-hmm. with uh, no job, basically. Yeah. So... In the old days, it was, um, let's say it was like a sweepstakes if you bought a blender. If you didn't buy the blender but you entered the sweepstakes, at least that would be your information to blender salespeople. Right. That would be like, well, they were looking at blenders. I know that much or else they wouldn't have even known about this. Right. These days, um, obviously, like with social media, that's a big way that it's done. Uh, it's all done virtually. So they know that if you just click on something to enter a sweepstakes – then all of your information can be sent to whatever company that is. And that's why you're going to start seeing if you enter some like uh, REI sweepstakes or something, don't be surprised when in your in your social media feed you start seeing nothing but ads for outdoor gear. Right, exactly. But it's, it's so it's kind of <clears throat> updated for the 21st century, but it's the same principle. You're saying, I'm interested in blenders. Please send me all the advertising you can find on blenders. Um, and that was how it was before when you send in your info by hand or put it in a box in the store. It's the same thing now when you enter to win an online sweepstakes and you share your contact info like that. It's just now we call it data mining. And rather than the blender salesman getting in touch with you to see if you still want a blender that you didn't win, it's some third-party marketing company that is getting in touch with you because your information was sold to them Uh because you entered into that blender sweepstakes. So it's different, it's updated, but the point's the same. Sweepstakes are there to increase brand awareness, to generate buzz or hype around a new product. It's a form of advertising, um, and it's a way to generate leads for sure. And um, the thing is, they were huge in the 50s and the 60s, and one of the reasons that they took off um, was because of Reader's Digest, actually. Yeah, re- uh, Reader's Digest, the the little tiny magazine that everyone's grandmother had mm-hmm. uh, and that you would read, you know, Laughter is the Best Medicine. And what was the other one? There was a couple of, like, very kid-friendly uh, regular things. The mm-hmm. joke one. Meth, meth, meth. <laughs> yeah, I think it was meth, meth, meth. All exclamation points. Right. Now, there was another thing. It may have been like true stories that were also funny, but uh, I remember reading Reader's Digest a lot as a kid, yeah. which is hysterical because so, it's so not kid-friendly. So the the point is, is they, they go through and read magazine articles and then condense them down to like a, abbreviated versions. It's just the broad strokes, right? I think so. Like I, I never got that back then, but I think it's sort of like a – a dummy's version of the Utney reader, <laughs> from huh. what I can tell. Man, that's so bizarre. Yeah, so they would, um, yeah, what a weird concept. Is it still around? Oh, yeah, Reader's Digest is definitely still around. I guess it's like the antithesis of long form, where they're just like, we don't need all that stuff. Here's the main Maybe. points. Huh. 
I'd like to get my hands on a Reader's Digest and, and see what it's like these days. And a shawl. <laughs> a nice doily. Because it gets a little chilly. So uh, that was always the joke with <laughs> with growing up in my church was whenever the teenagers, which is what they call the old folks, it's adorable, mm-hmm. um, would have an outing. The the lady, this one woman would get up and say it, uh, and, you know, it'd be like July and she'd say, and remember to bring a sweater <laughs> at the end. It didn't matter what time of year. That's adorable. Got to bring a sweater. Um, so, and of course, that's ageist to make fun of. Dude, it's so funny you said that because I, I was about to say like 10, 15 years from now, we're really going to we're gonna have our backs against the wall Yeah, when ageism's a thing. Yeah. No, no, so, that's not what I was saying. <laughs> oh, okay. I was saying we're going to get called out for our ageist offhand remarks. I know, and we're going to be cold. Both. Because we're going to be old. That's right. Bring a sweater. So uh, Reader's Digest had a a form, and they were very upfront about their sweepstakes. Um, it was preprinted. It had a number there, and you could just fill it out and mail it back. And uh, Reader's Digest was trying to sell subscriptions. and. Right. Um, you know, publishers clearinghouses, obviously the elephant in the room, um, we, the, the big daddy of all sweepstakes, yeah. which is another weird, weird company when you think about it. Very, especially today. Yeah, I mean, magazine subscription sales. But that's where the company started out. It was a magazine subscription salesman who went door to door and said, you know what? Nuts to going door to door. I'm just going to drum up a brochure and mail it out to people. And he started getting responses like that, so much so that he put this company, Publishers Clearinghouse, together. And then when they became like a household word was when they attached sweepstakes to it, like Reader's Digest had demonstrated was so effective. Because like with Reader's Digest or Publishers Clearinghouse or whatever, ultimately at the end of the day, they're trying to sell you something. Like you said, Reader's Digest is trying to sell you a, a subscription. They're attaching the sweepstakes to it because they're they're using that age-old lever of, hey, everybody, check it out. It's a big deal. We're giving away a million dollars. And also, here's everything you need to order as many subscriptions as you like from us. Do you have any magazine subscriptions? Yeah, we've got Dwell, which is no longer to my taste. Like, I don't like mm-hmm. current modern design and architecture and decor today right now. But we also have one from L Decor. Mm-hmm. That one is very much up my alley. There's a lot of color and stuff like that. Um, we have Men's Health and GQ, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Which funny. is not paying off right now. Because <laughs> I dress terribly and I'm overweight at the moment, big time. Uh, we, Emily gets, um, she gets a few home magazines I think like like you guys, uh, we we both share our love of like architecture and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. we we like looking and fantasizing about like these amazing places. That's why I enter the the dream home thing every year. I know it's kind of like a little mini vacation to go through one of those magazines. It is, it really is. It's also fun to judge and be like, oh, you paid a oh, million dollars for that, you chump. <laughs> why don't you get some taste? But That's I'll, what I say I'll, to the magazine. <laughs> what I'll never be, though, is the person on HGTV uh, House Hunters that walks through and goes, sheesh, I don't know about this place. Look at that ceiling fan. <laughs> <laughs> do they do that on House Hunters? Oh, people. I mean, it's all set up anyway. House Hunters, they already have the house when they go on the show. Um, it's, it's, it's a big scam. But, uh, yeah, there are people that say, like, you know, this ceiling fan or this wallpaper. And they're like – that's really easy to change, my friend. And the producers <laughs> off camera, they're like, can you actually like stick yeah. your finger down your throat and make <laughs> yourself vomit? It'll really, really pay off. All right. I think we should take a break. 
and come back and talk a little bit more about sweepstakes. How about that? <laughs> Let's do it. Want to learn about a pterosaur and call it pterodactyl? How to take a perfect poop and all about fractals? Genghis Khan, Attila the Hun, the Lizzie Borden murders and the cannibal runs. Don't explain everything to your brain. Explodes. Just Chuck and John. This stuff you should know. Word up, Jerry. Okay, Chuck, so we've been talking about the HGTV Dream Home giveaway. Um, and there's good reason because it is one of the big ones, but it's also one of the easiest to understand. Um, if you go and read up on HGTV, TV's dream home uh, sweepstakes. You're going to find there's a very clear reason that they give away this huge prize with all of this money and cars and all this stuff because I guess they build the home over the course of like a season and then they give it away. So yeah, part of this TV show wrapped around <clears throat> it. Right. So they're generating um, viewers for the TV show, which is supported by advertising, and the more viewers you have, the more you can charge for ads. Um, so the sweepstakes is just basically being used to generate buzz for the TV show now, or vice versa, maybe both. But the point is, is they're, it's paying off for them, which is why they keep giving this stuff away. But I have a soft spot in my heart for this one because they are one of these uh, few giant sweepstakes that just say, here's how it's done. Ask us whatever questions you want. This is all very much on the up and up. Yeah, and it's also um, just a big advertising bonanza period. So not only are you getting that GMC SUV, it's like frigid air. And like I I guarantee you every single thing in that house has some sort of sponsorship attached to it. Like from the siding down to the – to the dude who poured the concrete, you know, I'm sure they all donate that stuff for in-kind advertising, you know. That's a Tommy Thompson brand concrete job. <laughs> it's double stamped. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, HGTV is very cute. Like, they, they have a um, – I think they actually have a regular drawing, not even a computerized drawing. Like, they do it the old-fashioned way, right? Dude, yes, they should, but I just had a stroke of genius. We should get HGTV's Dream Home Sweepstakes to sponsor this episode. (laughs) That would be great. That would be full circle. Yeah, and maybe put your thumb on the scale for one of us. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? Yeah, so um, with the with the Dream Home giveaway, the way that they hold the sweepstakes um, is uh, through what's called a random drawing method, where if you enter, you can enter by mail, I believe, which is the old standard, old-fashioned standard way. Yeah. You can also do it online, which sure. is far and away the much more common way to do it now. Yeah, that's the way I do it. But either way, you're going to have your entry placed into a bin. They have actual physical bins. Like, I get the impression it's a 55-gallon drum. And your entry, your physical paper entry goes into that drum. Or if it's online, it goes into a virtual bin. And then at the end of the contest, these bins have maybe like 50,000 entries in them each. And then they're, they're sealed off and a new bin started. And each bin's numbered, right? And then at the end of the contest, they put uh, the number of ping pong balls is there are bins. Mm-hmm. Put those in a lotto machine. Pick one. And all of a sudden, you have your bin number. And now things are getting for real. Are they not? They are. And then, uh, and I think that's what I like about it too is the old school nature of it wherein like you're you're getting selected out of a hat essentially mm-hmm. and you have just won 
a house. Well, no, not yet. Not yet. Your bin has just been picked. You haven't necessarily been picked yet. You got to tell them how old school and, and lo-fi this is. Oh, well, yeah. Once you get to the bin, I mean, don't they just like dump it on the floor and, and literally pick it out? Yeah. When they seal a bin, they give it a good shake and a roll and all that so that like any, so so the the first entry isn't necessarily any better off than the last entry. They're all mixed together pretty well. But then, yeah, they dump it onto the floor and they take an HGTV employee, blindfold him or her, them, and push them toward the pile of envelopes, hopefully without them falling down, although if they do, it's on a pile of envelopes, so it's not too bad. And then they just grope and grab one, and that's your winner if it's a physical one. If it's a virtual one, a computer program runs through all the names in that bin, and then the the um, the employee presses the space bar and stops it. Either way, it's a random person picked. And I love it. You might as well be conducting, like, a Catholic church fair drawing at that point. When you have somebody blindfolded grabbing at a pile of envelopes, that's the level that you're at. Yeah, you know what would make it even better? <laughs> Pop. Is if is if they <laughs> is if they did that, but instead of choosing the winner, they chose like five different names and then they had those people come in and they had David Bromstad holding up five matchsticks with his hand in front of the camera and each person had to draw a matchstick. And the longest stick wins the house. Who's David Bromstad? Is he from Stranger Things? No, he's he's HGTV. No, that makes more sense than mine. He's the guy uh, that's like now covered in tats that didn't used to be covered in tats. No idea. Wait, was he the the trainer who recently had a heart attack, but now he's on this blood thinner? I don't think so. No. He's, uh, I mean, now I know the show he does is the the lottery dream home. Like he, he... gets lottery winners and tries to sell them house or you know shows them houses. Huh, no, I've which never is kind heard of a of depressing that show actually. Is there a, yeah, I don't we've done one on lotteries before but did we touch upon like how tragic most lottery winnings are? Uh yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah, so I can imagine that shows a bit of a downer if you really think about it. It can be. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. I might have to start watching <laughs> that. I'm in the market for a downer TV show, so thanks for that. Well, you would think a lottery a dream house show would be like nothing but awesome and excitement. Oh, but no, I know. No. I think sometimes just the way you people like to spend their money can be depressing. Yeah, I'm with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I don't, I don't so, want to judge. If that's their – I don't want to yuck their yum, their dream house yum. Sure. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you meant like I, I just bought one-seventeenth of a share of the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> So, it's probably pretty valuable. So that random drawing method is pretty um, pretty standard. That's kind of, from what I can tell, the, the gold standard of sweepstakes. There's also one that's one of the original ones called the pre-selected method. And this is the one that was used to great effect for many decades. And it's the one that um, Publishers Clearinghouse frequently uses too, where the, the winning number is selected first secretly and held in in confidence. And then a bunch of numbers that have the same number of digits as that that winner, including that actual winning string of numbers, are put onto mailers for Publishers Clearinghouse and mailed out everywhere, which is why they can say you may already be a winner because you could conceivably be holding the winning envelope because the winning number is already pre-selected. Yeah. As a kid in the 70s, and 80s, we didn't really fully get that. No. We saw an envelope with Ed McMahon's, 
Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon, he should have been Ed McMahon. <laughs> With his name and face on it, you may already be a winner. Some fake check written out to you. Uh, sadly, a lot of people thought those were real checks. There have oh, been stories yeah. about that. We'll talk about them. Um, so I didn't really fully get that, but uh, I guarantee you that the people the, that participated in these things knew that it was a pre-selected winner. Mm-hmm. And if you uh, are lucky enough, you uh, and you got to pay attention because what they kind of counted on was that most of these envelopes get thrown away. Yes. Most of these prizes go unclaimed. Right. Uh, I think that 10% of the prizes uh, f- were ever even awarded for those early Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes. Yeah, that was not just, no, not even Publishers Clearinghouse. I think this might have been oh, all before then. This was like Colgate, Palm Olive, and, um, uh, okay. and oil companies and soap companies and toothpaste makers were all like using this pre-selected method. And they would get all of the, like, the attention and all of the advertising, but they would have to give out none of the money because the chances are that nobody, the, the winner or the person with the winning package didn't go to the trouble of actually taking it back to the store. And so they would get all the advertising without any of the having to give up any of the money. And so um, this actually got a lot of bad press. Um, It led to FTC hearings. It later led to congressional hearings that, that created some legislation we'll talk about later. But the upshot of it is that it caused companies that have sweepstakes to create what's called a second chance drawing, which is... Let's say, you know, you preprint the all of these entries and send them out and one of them has this pre-selected winning combination that that dilutes the chances so tremendously that the the chances are the grand prize is not going to go anywhere. But with a second chance drawing, you have a smaller prize. Say like the grand prize is a $10 million. Second chance drawing grand prize might be $1 million, And you select the winner from the entries that were returned. So it's guaranteed that somebody is going to win that second chance drawing. That seems to have appeased the uh, town folk with their pitchforks and torches. Yeah, because a publisher's clearinghouse grand prize winner is – the the odds are astronomical, <laughs> literally. Um, like the one thousand a dollar day for life mm-hmm. is one in six point two billion. Um, like Powerball is a is a great deal when you compare it against something like that. Yeah, and and PCH is pretty, um, pretty tight lipped. It's hard to get a ton of information about exactly how it works and and why it would be six point two billion because. It's not like there's that many people entering. There's there's no way that's happening. No, and I genuinely, I looked so high and low in, in the weirdest little crevasses of the internet trying to get an answer to this, and it, I could not find it. The only thing that I can imagine is that it has to do with the number of entries put out there. But it's, they're certainly not printing out and sending 6.2 billion mailers. They're just no, but not. Is it the sweepers like doing this thousands and thousands of time each? It, it's possible. That's it's possible because I did I did see people say like the chances are so high because they get so many entries. But what you're talking about is that would be almost every single person on Earth entering, which isn't the chance, yeah. which isn't happening, or every single person in the United States. Um, entering 17 times. I guess if you have some sweepers, hardcore sweepers and enough of them, it could drive the the chances up that high. But it just seems like there must That's be some lot. other, something to do with like the randomly generated number, something that has to do with driving up the stakes. Because like you said, Powerball seems like easy street. Powerball's chances are one in 292 million. This 
publishers' clearinghouses, one in 6.2 billion. And the reason for this huge discrepancy is because they're structured differently. When you play Powerball, you have to pick five numbers from a pool of 69 numbers and then one Powerball from a pool of 26 numbers. And when you calculate the um, factorials together, (laughs) which are words that I put together, I think I combine them accurately, but I have no idea what I'm talking about at this point. The, 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 you have a one any any combination you choose has a one in two hundred ninety two million chance of being right because there's two hundred ninety two million possible combinations. Yeah, it's very black and white. Yeah, totally understandable. Even if you don't know what factorials are or how they work, you can get that. But again, with publishers clearinghouses, it's like wait a minute, how how is this uh, possible at all? One in six point two billion. I cannot find out how. Yeah, well, one thing is for sure, if you do win, and this was kind of, uh, kind of made me feel a little bit better. If you do win, uh, they're going to find you, mm-hmm. and and I thought this is sort of the opposite of how it would be. I thought they would be like, no, you got to come to us, and we're really not going to make much of an effort. <laughs> right. But they do. They they find you. They will use a private detective to find you and track you down. Mm-hmm. Tommy uh, Thompson, was, concrete pouring and right. private detective agency. There's a P&G executive who testified uh, during those FTC trials in the late 60s. It says they exhaust every resource to find anything, uh, any winner over $500. Mm-hmm. And um, usually the winner comes forward. But I guess it's good to know that they do make an exceptional effort. Um, and you can't, you can't have grown up in the 70s and 80s without knowing about Ed McMahon and Dick Clark and the Publishers Clearinghouse Prize Patrol coming to people's houses with balloons and confetti and champagne Mm -hmm. and a giant check and knocking on your door with a a camera crew. Like, that was as much uh, of America as, like, baseball and apple pie, basically. For sure. And, like, you know, people talk about the Mandela effect and the Berenstain Bears effect and all that. Um, a lot of people associate Dick Clark especially, but also, um, or I mean, Ed McMahon especially, but also Dick Clark too with Publishers Clearinghouse. They never once pitched or worked for Publishers Clearinghouse. <laughs> Isn't that funny? To this day, people, people, even back then, I saw a contemporary article that was like, you know, confused them with Publishers Clearinghouse. They worked for American Family Publishers, which was a knockoff also ran for Publishers Clearinghouse. Yeah. Um, they never once pitched for Publishers Clearinghouse. Publishers Clearinghouse has always had that prize patrol that shows up at your house. Um, and that's always been Publishers Clearinghouse employees. And they apparently are legit. Like if you win, they don't get in touch with you ahead of time. They just show up at your house or if you're not home and you're on vacation, they'll show up where you're vacationing. They'll show up at work. Wherever you are, they're going to show up with these camera crews and um, give you this grand prize. So that apparently is is legitimate. Yeah, and if you want to be a um, party buzzkill pedant along the order of uh, it's actually the um, low on the totem pole is the prize place to be. Mm-hmm then just start floating that American Family Publishers fact to people that you meet. Is that right? Because I love that one. I think one. so. Oh, man. I, I need to uh, – I'm not going to be able to help myself. I, I think if I was at a random party, if this had never happened, mm-hmm. and I was at a random party and said something about – I told a great story about Ed McMahon and Dick Clark and Publishers Clearinghouse, and someone said, well, actually, they worked for American Family Publishers. Right. I don't think there's any way to frame that in a way that makes that person look good. Or fun. It's all in the delivery. You <laughs> laugh along and be like, that's crazy. But even get this, it's even crazier. 
They okay. never even worked for Publishers <laughs> Clearinghouse, and everybody triple laughs on top of the laughing they're already doing. There's or a way. it just goes dead, and you're left going, but I, but I framed it correctly, and right, I said it right. in an engaging way. I said, well, actually, with my <laughs> finger up. Uh, and then I would say, yeah, but what about that bloopers and practical joke show? Then everyone would be laughing again, mm-hmm. and you'd just slink off in the corner. I I would, and you know that's that's my typical party behavior anyway. <laughs> Do you remember that show though? The oh yeah, totally. Like I that, can't that's remember what it was two, called. It was but... called Bloopers and Practical oh, was Jokes. It? Yeah, I believe it. That's all it was. It was it was like the title was the description. Uh-huh. That was great. Remember they had the uh, sort of like Sergio Aragones cartoon guy who come uh-huh. in and sweep the stage. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Fantasy Island. Do you know they re- rebooted Fantasy Island? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch. It was supposed to be super dark. Well, the first one was. No, was it? The original Fantasy Island was super dark. Well, I need to go back and watch that because I don't recall that at all. Yeah, like almost all the fantasies were ended up being scary and taught the person a lesson on oh, what yeah? they should really like fantasize about. Oh, well, I was like four at the time. I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> it is, by the way, it is TV's bloopers and practical TV's jokes. TV's bloopers and practical jokes. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a break and we'll talk about um, the very, very few sweepstakes that are in existence today right after this. Wanna learn about a pterosaur and call it pterodactyl? How to take a perfect poop and all about fractals? Genghis Khan, Attila the Hun, the Lizzie Borden murders and the cannibal runs. Don't explain everything to your brain. Explode, just chug, and jive. This stuff you should know. Word up, Jerry. By the way, Chuck, TV's bloopers and practical jokes has a 5.3 on IMDb, which is wrong. Really? Yeah, that was a great show. Oh, man. And I bet you uh, that dumb uh, Saget show is. Got like a 9 out of 10. It, well, these days it's Alfonso Ribeiro. Is it? Yeah. I'm, I've never been a fan of those. They're okay. You ever so, watch Ridiculousness? Uh, no, I never saw that. Ed, that's all it is, but it's much more like painful to watch. Uh, like skateboarders getting racked and yeah, stuff? Yeah, just really dumb stuff, but it's... It's mesmerizing. And somehow they have an infinite limitless supply of episodes of it because it is on 24 hours a day on MTV. Is it really? Yeah. I think I've told this story before, but I I like to put it out every five or six years Mm -hmm. in case the person listening is this person. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is when I was at UGA one day and a guy, I saw a guy completely busted on a bicycle (laughs) on the sidewalk and his books went splayed out everywhere. Mm -hmm. And the very first thing he did was uh, put his, and he was laying down on the sidewalk, was put his hand under his chin and act like he was reading a book. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's amazing. (laughs) And, like, if you're out there, dude, please, please send us an email. Stuffpodcast at iheartmedia.com. Because that was one of the best reactions I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that's that's a sharp, sharp dude. It was pretty great. For sure. So before we broke, I I, uh, was being coy about the very, very few sweepstakes that we still have today. Because surely these went out of style in the 70s and 80s. Uh, Not true. There are about 400 million annual sweepstakes in this day and age. Isn't that nuts? That is. And and I'm sure that counts every dumb iPhone app sweepstakes to win 10 cents. But that's still 400 million. Yeah, that's still a sweepstakes that you can go play. Whereas before, I think at its first heyday um, in the 60s, the mid-60s, the FTC calculated there was something like 600 
national sweepstakes. And yeah, four million is a lot more than six hundred. What's crazy is is those FTC um, hearings actually tried to put a clampdown on everything, and it didn't work. And they they ended up expanding and exploding even beyond that. But one of the things that has kind of um, driven that. I don't know if it's it's got to be a chicken or the egg kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. has it been these people who are called sweepers, or right. in the UK they're called compers, who their hobby is engaging in sweepstakes? Did they lead to this proliferation of it, or did they are they encouraged by the the easy access to sweepstakes like never before? What do you think? I don't know because I didn't know sweepers existed. I didn't know that there were people that would spend, um, you know, sometimes. A couple of hours a day, mm-hmm. randomly, or not randomly, very pinpointedly looking for and registering for all kinds of sweepstakes using spreadsheets, using their autofill on their computers just to enter to win over and over and over again. Yeah. But they're out there, and it's a subculture that I. I'm surprised there's not, there may be a documentary about them. I don't know. I haven't run across any any mention of one. There's a really good Zachary Crockett article. Zachary Crockett, amazing writer, who uh, I don't know if he still writes for Priceonomics or not, but just amazing. He, of course, did one on this subculture. But he said that <clears throat> like a, a good, you know, normal sweeper, somebody who's like a genuine hobbyist, is doing this for hours and hours a day and entering up to hundreds of sweepstakes every day. Hundreds. Yeah, hundreds to win, of to sweepstakes. To win a major reward, like Christmas Story. <clears throat> That's what they call them in, in the, I should say, so there was a Slate article from 2003, and it had a lot of just blatantly factual errors, um, or blatant factual errors, and was really arrogant and, like, dismissive toward this this group. So it's possible they don't call them major awards, but that's where I got that from. But the, the lingo was M.A., that they're after the M.A., big cash payouts, cars, boats, uh, major awards that are yeah. not necessarily fragile. Yeah, and it's, um, it's still the same sort of... Uh, like we said, with, with social media, it's a little bit different how it goes, but it's still the same kind of aim, which is to build brand recognition. Um, you see major brands doing these sort of fun games like uh, Jeep hit those tiki torches. Uh, and this was sort of like a scavenger hunt. You had to go around and find these torches. There were clues on Facebook. You went a Wrangler if you found all the torches. And that's good for Facebook. It's good for Jeep. It's probably good for tiki torches. Right. Uh, but every, you know, every department store on the planet – has some sort of even very minor, like here's a, a $50 gift card kind of thing mm-hmm. if you retweet this or whatever. Like those are just all over the place now. All over. There's a, a site called um, Sweepstakes. What is it called? Sweet uh, Sweepstakes Hub? I think so. I mean, if that's oh, not what it's is called, it? it might as well be called that. <laughs> I can't find it right now. We'll We'll see if we can call it out later. But I went to it today and... I mean, dude, there's a sweepstakes for everything. There's a new podcast out, and they're giving away like an Amazon Alexa, um, just to just to generate interest and in, in awareness of their podcast. It's like 
everything has some sort of sweepstakes. Like if you got a new book, give away five books. We should do this. You give away five books, and then hopefully everybody's like, well, I didn't win, but that book sounds pretty great. I'm going to go ahead and buy that book. Or at the very least, now I'm on a mailing list for this publisher because I've just shown them that I like books enough to enter into the sweepstakes. Is that podcast, let me ask you this, can you listen to it on uh, iTunes, iHeartMedia app, or wherever you find your podcasts? Probably. Interesting. <laughs> They're doing something right. Yeah, they are. I'm going to find the name of that podcast because we can't. We can't I know, that would mention nice. a podcast like that and just, just never give the name. So I'm going to do a little researching while you tap dance for us, okay? Okay. <laughs> a one and a two. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, at least uh, 400 million sweepstakes today. Um, now, the uh, like you said, the FTC got involved. They held hearings. And everything is on the up and up now. Um, you have to and, – and I'm sure this is all very much spelled out as far as like you have to clearly – explain the rules and clearly explain your chances of winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that's very much mandated on what clearly means. They're not just like, yeah, whatever you think is clear is fine with us. Yeah, Congress actually got involved and passed an act. Yeah. And uh, what, ni- well, when was that? 1998. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what Congress does sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that's, I mean, the reason why is because there were... There are a few cases that sort of... Troubled people, to say the least. Yeah, the they passed the Deceptive Mail Prevention and Enforcement Act, also known as the Sweepstakes Act, and there was one case in particular that really pushed everything over the edge. Where Just this the old guy, yeah, this elderly yeah. man in his eighties, um, he lived in California, and uh, with his own money, he flew not once but twice to Tampa to the American Family Publishers headquarters. To, to claim his prize money because of, he got he gotten a mailer that said that he was already a winner. Apparently, the, the actual th- label said final res- results are in and they're official. You're our newest $11 million know, winner. And then if you read the fine so print, it was like, if you have the winning number. This man flew twice to, Cal- to Tampa to collect on two different prizes because of mailers twice. And they finally said, enough's enough. I can just picture him on the plane and like, Telling his seatmate like what's going on, and then not knowing what to do. <laughs> quite frankly, well, yeah. Imagine being the seatmate. He's like, "See, check That's this, check this letter out." Yeah, and you're just like, "Oh no, <laughs> this is not going to go well for this." Yeah, guy. like, what do you do there? Do you? I would honestly, I wouldn't know what to do because uh, that that hits me right where it hurts, which is uh, to be kind and empathetic, mm-hmm. but also to not let someone go through something like terrible, right? So I wouldn't. I would, uh, that that presents a real ethical quandary for me. Well, I think I think at that point you kind of say, um, "I'm going to be late. I have to go to American Family <laughs> Publishers headquarters before I come to the meeting because well, I got to go I don't with fly this guy." Now. Yeah, that and coronavirus, anymore. right? <laughs> no, really, I just don't want to take the chance of being next to someone going to pick up their grand prize <laughs> that doesn't exist. <laughs> so, so they th- part of that um, that 1998 congressional act is that like you really need to be a lot more clear about the odds of winning. Um, you have to say things like no purchase necessary or another phrase is buying won't help you win. Um, but the whole thing, from what I understand, the whole thing, and by the way, American Family Publishers is now defunct. They went under. Um, unfortunately, Fortunately for Publishers Clearinghouse, they got all sorts of free press because people used to just think American Family Publishers was Publishers Clearinghouse, but they also got all the bad press too because people would think that anything American Family Publishers did 
it was actually Publisher's Clearinghouse. So it was really weird. I think it is where like two alternate universes kind of came together right there. Now, which one was it that uh, there was one case where they were uh, they had the entree entree entry <laughs> envelopes, the entree envelopes, yeah, it's very packaged French. in such a way that. Uh, you could tell the envelopes where people actually did buy a subscription and where they didn't, even though they were both supposed to be entered, yeah. which very easily allowed them to just throw away the ones where they didn't actually buy something. Was that PCH or the other? That was Publishers Clearinghouse. And they, right. they, well, they were found— They had blood on their hands, too, then. Throwing away hundreds of entries that had no, no check. Because, again, remember, what they're trying to do is get you to subscribe to a bunch of magazines, or now they sell vitamins or housewares or something like that. Um, and if you hadn't sent a check-in, apparently some big chunk of entries got just thrown away. Well, and they, you know, you talked about sweepstakes law. There was, they did have to settle a lot of lawsuits over the years, uh, civil lawsuits from contestants. So, uh, you know, there, there were people that were wise to it, and there were attorneys out there very willing to take those cases, I'm sure. Yeah, and I think over time, part of it was because of that pre-selected thing where— um, People were like, what do you mean nobody won the grand prize? People really paying attention to that kind of stuff. And they would get sued. And I saw that they, they paid tens of millions of dollars to, um, to settle some of these and yeah. fight some of them too. So, uh, but they're still in business, which means that they're still making so much money that they, it's, it's worth um, holding these sweepstakes, not just to give the prizes away, but also to... Um, to, uh, to to fight off litigation as well. Yeah. And one way that you can really kind of fight off litigation um, is by hiring what's called sweepstakes administrator. Yeah, like there are companies that will fully um, execute the contest from beginning to end. You mm -hmm. hire that. It's like hiring a caterer. Yeah. You, you don't have to worry about the, the little stuffed mushrooms. Like they're going to do it all. They're going to come in, administer it in a way that's above board and legal. You don't have to worry about the hassle. You just got to pay them their vig, and uh, and you're all set. <laughs> right. It's hard to believe that there are companies out there that do this, but there are. So as as much as like the like PCH seems a little hustly, it is a legitimate sweepstakes company. It's not a scam, but there are plenty of scams out there. Yeah. And in fact, PCH has to warn the public how to look out for scams. One of the biggest ways is that if you are contacted via email, phone, Facebook, something like that, um, saying that you won a big prize, they're going that like that's automatically wrong because they send their prize patrol out for their biggest prizes. And that's really legitimately how you would find out as they show up at your house. Yeah. And, you know, these are all, uh, they seem like no-brainers to people like us, but to a lot of people, they fall for this stuff, and it's really sad. Um, you know, if you if you get anything that says you've won something, all you got to do is prepay this tax. Any anything asking for credit card information, any kind of payment whatsoever, is one thousand percent a scam. Right. Every time. Um, anytime. Uh, a lot of times, it's front. Uh, it's a front for like uh, malware. Um, they might ask you, like I said, for uh, your social security number, your credit cards. Just don't, don't fall for that stuff. Don't give anyone information like that. No, 
And you will need to give them your Social Security number eventually if you win any prize over $600 for tax reporting, because remember, taxes are a thing. But they're not going to hit you up over Facebook Messenger and tell you you won a prize, so give me your Social Security number right now. The thing is, is a lot of people who play this are elderly, and they are preyed upon, and there are a lot of scams out there. Um, I saw some figure in the tens of billions of dollars that is lost to scam sweepstakes every year in the United States. That's insane. It's an insane amount of money that's being lost, and that's just sad. It is super sad. So the name of the um, podcast is called uh, The Authority with Brian S. Arnold. Um, And what's sad is they're in week eight of their eight-week giveaway, sweepstakes giveaway. And so this will come out long after the eight weeks is up. So sorry about that. But there was a sweepstakes that the, the authority project with Brian S. Arnold held to win a speaker. And, and you know, it's interesting, and this is not off, off topic, but over the years, a couple of times we've had a couple of dumb ideas like, hey, why don't we give away a thing to listeners for, you know, just doing something. Mm-hmm. And every single time, like the legal department of whatever parent company we had was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to get involved in this kind of thing because then it's a contest. We're like, well, it's not really a contest. It's just very lo-fi. And they're like, you can't do that. You right. Just, you have no idea the can of worms you're opening up. Yeah, because there's a whole branch of law called sweepstakes law, and it, it involves following the letter of the law and also helping people sue people who are suspected of not following the letter of the law. Yeah, so as attorneys, they just kind of always squashed it. Sure. Um, so I just want to give a big shout out. We never said, I don't think, why people do this real quick, Chuck. Um, and there's a woman named uh, Sandra Grauschoff, and she is probably the world's leading expert on sweepstakes, at the very least America's leading experts on, on sweepstakes. She runs um, the Balances Sweepstakes pages uh, and just legitimately knows what she's talking about. And she just said it's excitement. It's as simple as that. That, yeah. like, the idea of getting a check or um, getting a prize affidavit in the mail is very exciting. Um, other people have called it a high. And uh, Grauschoff says, um, yeah, it turns out, though, if you're if you're thinking about sweepstakes every day and how to play them better and all that stuff, you may want to get evaluated for a gambling addiction because it can kind of easily traipse into that. I'm sure. Yeah. Who knew gambling addiction would make an appearance? So if you want to know more about sweepstakes, well, go forward and check them out. Uh, and since I said that, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this uh, how we help somebody out recently. Uh, hey, guys, want to say thanks uh, before even telling you why. I honestly cannot thank you enough. My name is James, 21, and I'm from Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, yesterday while at work, I received a call from my dad telling me that my grandma had passed away suddenly during the night. Obviously distraught, I left work, headed home to be with my family. I know that nobody enjoys crying, but I really hate it. And as I end up with these uh, as I end up with these very intense headaches, well, through the tears on my drive home with your podcast playing through my car, I was able to laugh and to smile despite the circumstances. I couldn't for the life of me tell you which episode I even listened to, just that it made me laugh and saved me from the literal headache and the heartache that I was feeling, and for that I'm so thankful. Uh, I must have listened to around two or 300 of your podcasts in the past month or so. So please keep doing what you're doing. And that is from James M. in Scotland. That was great. Sorry to hear about your grandma, James, and yeah. glad we could help. Our condolences, James. But yeah, it is very nice to hear, um, you know, that we, we can help people in times like that in some small way, you know? For sure. Makes us feel like real big shots. 
Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, send us an email to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Listener.